Good evening, church. I love that video of Pastor Brett. Don't you? You know, if I tried that same thing, you folks would think I was having a seizure. You'd be dialing 911 and people would pump me full of drugs or something. It's just like, help him. See, Pastor Brett can make that look good. I just make it look like a seizure, but nevertheless, that's just the difference. Turn to the book of Numbers tonight. Book of Numbers. Pastor Donnell said that we're better together. That's certainly true. But to that end as well, we want to cross over together. You know, if, and I think that this is something that we need to understand, that it's not just enough for you to get yours or, you, or me, to, me to get mine. But if you don't get yours, then I don't get mine. God wants us to do this together. Somebody said that when the tide rises, all the boats rise together. And that is exactly what we want to happen. And we've got something very natural that's, that's happening next door here over in the next few days, over the next few weeks. Here. We're going to cross over from one room to the next. But how many of you know that there's a much larger crossing over going over than we just move from... This room into that room, it represents a whole lot more than just moving 100 feet. You ain't got it yet, but it's okay. But I believe that as we're corporately something is being represented, I believe for many of us individually, something is happening as well. And there's a sense that God is challenging many of us to move from where we are and cross over from where we are into something else. And there are some reasons why that doesn't happen. And we find a story in Numbers 32. We find two of the, two of the tribes of Israel, the Reubenites and the Gadites. Verse 32, chapter 32 of Numbers, verses 1 through 5. It says that, these two tribes had very large herds and flocks, and they saw that the lands of Jazer and Gilead were suitable for livestock. Now, this is on the eastern side of the Jordan, so they've not crossed over. So they've subdued the land up to that point. They're there. They're camped out. It says, so they came to Moses and Eleazar, the priest, to the leaders of the community, and they said, you know, these, these places, I'm not going to try to read them, verse 3, they're great. It says, the land the Lord subdued before the people of Israel, they're suitable, say suitable, for livestock. And your servants have livestock. So if we found favor in your eyes, let this land be given to your servants as our possession. Do not make us cross the Jordan. Now that's a scary passage right there. Don't make us cross. And do you realize that God will not make you cross? He will not put one foot in your back and push you into the Jordan. He will not take over your feet and make you move. Any more than he will take control of your vocal apparatus and make you worship. Or grab your soul and make you respond to his lordship. He won't do it. Because he's given you and I this, this little thing called free will. 
which is one of the things that sets us apart from the angels. And that when we decide to do something, it gives God greater glory than the angels that are programmed to be obedient. And so for you and I, when we get into this moment where God is giving us an opportunity to move from one place to the next, and then we say, don't make us cross. For you and I as believers, God says, okay, hang out. Glad you like where, where you are. And we see the challenge here that the Reubenites and the Gadites, and we find out later that the, the half of the tribe of Manasseh as well, they begin to look around and assess things based on their natural eyesight. They looked around and they said, "It look, this, this really looks good. This is going to work right here. This is going to work. The same way in Genesis 13 that it says, Moses, excuse me, Lot and Abram began to look around and, and Abram said, you choose for yourself. And Lot looked up and he said, well, that looks good over there. And so Lot, without any inquiry of the Lord whatsoever, he said, you know what? I think this is going to work. We'll go in this direction. Well, we all know where Lot wound up, right outside of Sodom and Gomorrah. We find poor Abram having to constantly rescue his knuckleheaded nephew over and over and over again as he's continuing to make these very natural decisions. But this is what these tribes are doing. They're looking around and they're saying, you know, life is pretty good here. You know, this, we got plenty of land. There's plenty of, there's plenty of pasture land. We've got large herds. We put it on a spreadsheet. We came up with these, these natural reasonings that this must be where we're supposed to be. But it says the land was suitable. It didn't say it was ideal, it didn't say it was best, and it certainly didn't say it was the Lord's will. It just said it would work. And this is the tragedy, I believe, for many believers, is that we get to a place of suitable and we stop. Whether than crossing all the way over into true promise and inheritance. Hmm. But to cross... It means we have to leave where we are. Now, I know this is real basic stuff right here, so just stay with me. I'm not a smart man, so I have to, I have to think through it aloud. So just, just allow me some latitude here. But you can't receive anything until you leave where you are. You have to leave to receive. But see, most of us, we don't ever want to leave anything. We just want God, like the UPS man, just keep bringing it. My wife and I live at the top of a mountain, and I, I mean, can you say Amazon Prime? I mean, the brown truck comes. Let me just tell you. I mean, they're, they're right on the verge that the Prime boys are going to, they're going to implant a chip that if you just think about it, it's going to roll up to the door. That's the next step right here. I mean, it's, it's, it's just called Amazon Cognition. It's the very next step that's coming, I'm afraid. And so it comes to us. And yet many times we don't understand that in the ways of God, God is most of the time looking for us to come to him, for us to leave 
behind for us to move from where we are in order to move into that which he has prepared. Starts with leaving. And it's hard. It's very, very hard. I've told this story, but I'll tell it again because I'm old and that's what old people do. They repeat their stories. <laughs> Pastor Duke's not here to pick on anymore, so it's coming home. But many years ago, my wife and I moved into a home and God had showed it to another prophet, said what it was going to look like, and we found it and it was you know, trees and there was a pond and we built a house and oriented it just right where we could see the pond. And I mean, it was, it was a lovely, I don't know what else to say. I mean, God had prophesied it. We could afford it. We were the first folk in, there was a 200 acre development that was going to go on. And I, we put, put our boot, pulled our boots on one January, walked through it. And the developer literally let us just carve out the chunk that we wanted. It's incredible. And I remember there on the porch as we moved into it during, I think it was August when we moved in. I was a little bit like Nebuchadnezzar surveying the great land there and looking out at the pond, you know, and I had put the corn out so the geese would come in and it was, the sun was going down, you know, and with a new house, the great thing about a new house is nothing to fix, Pastor Sean. I mean, you know, you remember when you moved into your new home. I mean, for, it was like, there's nothing to paint. There's nothing busted. There's nothing leaking. There's nothing, nothing. This is brand new. This is wonderful. I just got to sit here and enjoy. So I was just surveying this wonderful setting. And the Holy Ghost comes to me with the humor that only God can and say, and I was just worshiping God. You know, your worship moment, you know, oh, God, you good. Hallelujah. You know, you just... Mmm, mmm. <laughs> kind of like what about Bob eating that chicken? Mmm, mmm. So you're just having a moment. And like only God can do. You like it? Oh, God, you're so good. He said, enjoy it. You won't be here long. Talk about ruining a moment. He said, enjoy this. You won't be here long. And sure enough, we weren't there three years until God snatched us up and moves us. I mean, talk I mean, to that townhouse in the sky. Welcome to Northern Virginia. <laughs> Here we are, moving in January in the snow, thinking, well, life just changed. There's traffic up here and snow. This is, this is not fun. We move because God told us to move. And yet, we found another place a few years later. And it was interesting that the house, on the, we called it the house on the pond, was on three acres. And yet, God had created a place for us, another three acres, that was outside of Nova, but it was in the mountains. And it was a little busted house, very small, that we found on the interwebs that I made one of my realtor friends take me to. And he begged me not to buy it. He really did. He said, you don't want this. I said, what do you mean? He said, no, you don't want this. Don't buy this. 
This house is busted. Don't do this. But it was the house that God had mapped out for us. So we exchanged three acres in North Carolina for another three acres in Warren County. But let me tell you, every time that we made a move, you would think, it wasn't that at all. It was a matter of you had to leave this. You got to leave the house on the pond. You got to leave what you've known in the church that you've been building in for 22 years. You got to leave. In our case, we had a, we had a very nice home in Ashburn that we had to leave, which was three times the size of the busted house in Warren County. But God said, do it. And every time that we left, in order to receive something, we had to leave something behind first. And many times there was a gap. Listen to me. There was a gap between the leaving and the receiving. There was a gap in between of realizing, you know, and I remember driving the truck from Ashburn to Warren County, literally with tears running down my face. God, what have I done? I mean, it was hard. I'm a grown man. Men don't cry. We talk about it euphemistically. You know, I wept. No, you didn't. I was weeping. Because I, there was a gap. Because I, I knew what this was over here. But I didn't know what this was over here. And until we could fully step into it and realize beyond just moving in obedience to the word of the Lord, until we could actually cross all the way over, begin to occupy. Do you understand what I'm saying? It wasn't until that moment of occupation, and it took a while. I mean, we moved in, Angie's mom had major surgery. She left to go out of state and was gone for almost a month. I'm leaving there trying to unpack a house. <laughs> the first ice storm hit. We're on the side of a mountain. I didn't know what this meant. She finally decides to come home. I mean, the wind is blowing off of the valley, and honest to goodness, hitting the side of the house, you know, 50, 60 miles an hour, Trees breaking off across the valley. Sounds like gunfire. Finally, at 4 o'clock in the morning, we hear this blam. Tree had fallen, snatched the, snatched the service cable off of our house. It was resting across my car and the propane tank. Two other trees had fallen across the road. We were the last people the power company cared about. We were up there for four days. No chainsaw, no generator, no four-wheel drive, no nothing. I'm saying, I am not seeing a blessing in this. <laughs> Yet, having a moment of struggle. Are you with me? But it took a moment to completely cross over, not just changing my address of my driver's license, but emotionally fully engaging with that which God had called us to cross over into until finally you begin to realize, wow, this is God's blessing right here. It's amazing how God is, for, for me, it's always been real estate of not being able to really see the blessing 
in that which God had already made provision for. But it begins with you and I. We've got to leave first. Pastor Tim Say spoke a message here some years ago that you can be a Christian and never move, but you can't be a disciple and never move. You got Christians that they, oh, I, I, I just, I just love Jesus. Jesus, and Jesus loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Father, glory, God, Jesus, Father, glory, he just loves me. And I'm right here, God, come find me. You can be a Christian like that, but you can't be a disciple like that. Because disciples always have to move. They always got to move. Because Jesus is moving. You understand? He's not, it says, he leads us. Doesn't he? He's a shepherd. What do shepherds do? Shepherds lead folk. They, well, folk, they lead sheep. Are you with me? This is what God does for you and I. Sheep don't stay in one place. They stay in one place. They die. They eat everything. Sheep are stupid. God made them stupid. It was not a compliment when he called a sheep. So the shepherd realizes, I got to keep these folk moving. I got, they're eating out this pasture right here. I got to move them on to something else or they're going to starve to death. And so Pastor Brett, leaders, they move us along. You got to keep moving. You got to keep moving. I like it here. I know you do. You got to keep moving. Reubenites in the ghetto. We like it here. I know, but you got to keep moving because this is not inheritance. Mark 1, Jesus walking, saw these so Simon and Andrew, follow me. Elijah finding Elisha. What did he say? Follow me. But if you can't leave, you can't follow. It's real simple. If you're not willing to leave, you can't follow. And I know that sounds very fundamental, but isn't it true? Luke 9, 59 through 62. Jesus said to another man, follow me. He said, let me go bury my dad. He said, well, yeah, sure. I mean, it's like Jesus said, uh-uh, you come now. This wasn't necessarily a matter that the man's father had just passed away. It was a matter of, no, let me bury my dad so I can get my inheritance. And Jesus was saying, no, you come follow me now because I've got a greater inheritance for you than anything your natural daddy is going to leave you. So then what are the challenges with crossing? Why won't we do it? I mean, we know it. We got it. Okay, Pastor Jim, you made your point. Move on. So why, don't we, why won't we cross over? Well, first of all, we want every detail of the move. Every turn, every direction. Triple A used to have these things called triptychs. See, we got some old folk in here. This was before Google Maps and Siri and all this. But they would take these maps. You remember, you had to take these maps and they would kind of put them on this little flip thing that you could, you know, you with me? And so it would kind of give you everywhere you were going to go. You turn and you keep riding on the road. And so that's why we love Siri. We think we do, but we love see She tells you everything. Turn here, turn there. And so we like to, because we don't really trust that play-by-play, play, we like to look ahead and figure out. 
Well, we want to do the same thing with God. We want God. I want the turn by turn for the next five years of my life. And if you will give me every little bump in the road, give me every left, every right. Matter of fact, tell me when it's going to rain so I'll know exactly when to cut my wipers on. Some of you are giggling, but the reality is some of us really do want God to lead us exactly that way. And what God is saying is just get in the car. Just get in the car. Angie's dad would tell her as a child, come ride with me. Well, where are we going? Typical answer in that generation, going to go see a man about a dog, which basically meant just do you want to go or not? In other words, where we're going is really less the issue than whether or not you want to go with me. And I'm not going to burden your little eight-year-old head with details. But if you'd like to go with me, get in the truck. Are you with me? Some of us, Jesus is saying, let's go. Where are we going? How are we going to get there? Is there a McDonald's? Can we get a snack? Every detail. As Pastor Donnell just said, it's like the famine, the backseat. Are we there yet? I don't know. Imagine Abram, 75 years old. Pack up your stuff and go. Imagine he's got his, I mean, he's got a bunch of folk, not just 300 kids in the backseat. And he's got like a lot of people. Abram, yo, are we there yet? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Because if you don't know, we don't know. I mean, Abram just, I mean, it's hard on a 75-year-old man just to kind of take off. God said, I'll let you know when you get there. Wow. For some of us, we don't ever leave because we don't dislike it enough here to move. This is the problem with sin. I don't dislike this enough to change it. And you, we've had dialogue with people that we knew that the end result of their sin was eventually going to kill them, but because they weren't really fully dead yet, they were like, you know what, I'm good right here. My father-in-law had a, he was a vet, and he had an assistant that rode with him. He was kind of an interesting character. His name was Roy. <laughs> My father-in-law he just, he loved casting demons out of people. It's just one of his things. Never saw a demon he didn't like to cast out. And they were, they were, he just, and he still let me marry his daughter, but that's a whole nother story. And so they're in the vehicle together and, and, and Doc begins to talk to Roy and talks about, you know, you really need to get rid of these demons. And Doc, and Roy looked over at Doc and he just said, you know what, Doc, I kind of like them. I kind of like them. I don't think I'm really ready to turn them loose yet. And the reality is, for many of us, it's exactly the same way. Hey, this hadn't killed me yet. It hadn't made me real sick. And I know what this is. Hmm. This isn't so bad. Or the reason that we don't move and cross over is that we're afraid that what that is might not be all what it's promised to be. I know what this is, but I'm not quite sure what this is over here. 
But you see, that now becomes a relational problem. That becomes an issue of, God, do I really trust you enough that you're moving me from the acceptable to the good, from the good to the best, from the best all the way into your perfect? Do I really trust you in the progression of my life to hand over the keys, so to speak, and say, I'll leave the driving to you? Hmm. Suitable. Pretty good here. Don't, don't, don't make us cross. And the real tragedy for you and I is exchanging the suitable and the acceptable for God's chosen inheritance for you and I. This is the tragedy. You look at men and women that wind up in disastrous relationships. And it's just like, well, he was standing upright. And he wasn't breathing out of his mouth. And, and he has a part-time job sometimes. So it looked good from here. And, and come on. You see, it's a trust issue that God is not just about taking away, but is about adding back. But that always involves change. For you and I. Now I, I got. Change is something that we all respond to a little differently. I hate change. Don't like change. Just tell you. You ever gone to a restaurant and you finally. You've, you've eaten there enough. That you've ordered two different things off the menu. And you like one better than the other. So every time you go. Every time you go, you order the chicken fingers and the french fries. And it doesn't matter what else might be on that menu. That is absolutely amazing. But you've only ordered two things off the menu and you order the same thing every time. What? And um, I mean, why? Because, well, I know what. Why, why, why do I want? Why do I want to mess with you? I don't like that. You say surprise to a child and they go, <laughs> surprise, yes, a surprise. You know, you say surprise to an adult and they're thinking internal revenue service. <laughs> you say surprise to an adult, they're looking in the rear view for blue lights. The results of their blood test when the phone rings, surprise. It's just like, no, 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 really, no surprise. No surprise. Children love it. But for you and I, because we're a little older, no, we, we, it, it doesn't hold promise, it just holds terror. It's like any, any recipe that has the word surprise in it. Not interested. Because you know that surprise is a euphemism that there's a leftover in there somewhere. Surprise! This is yesterday's meal. Just with some canned biscuits on the top and run in the oven. Thanksgiving's coming. You're going to have a lot of surprises in December. 
Because that turkey's like Lazarus. It's like resurrection food. It just... You think that carcass is dead and it just keeps rising up, rising up, rising up. It starts out as turkey, then it becomes loaf, then it becomes soup, then it becomes, you know what I'm talking about. Surprise! And we look at the change, we don't like it much. We really don't. They were building the temple over in Ezra. Said the builders laid the foundation and interesting, it says the folks gave a great shout of praise. But it says many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple, it says they wept aloud. When they saw the foundation being laid, while many others shouted for joy. Same event, but look at the difference in response of change. Now, we don't know if those older families were just, maybe maybe they were weeping that, oh, finally there's restoration that's happening, there's rebuilding that's happening. But somewhere, there's a real sense that there is a comparison being made of, but remember that, that was so much better. Remember, the seats were more comfortable over there. You know, it was, it, and, and it was smaller, and everybody knew everybody else. And, you know, and, and so you got one group of folk that are rejoicing, and the other group of folk, yeah, but remember when. When we move 100 feet, it will be different. I don't even know what different is. But the real question is, can we embrace that different? Come on. I mean, we look around and, you know, you, you, get, you get folk in 600 seats and then all of a sudden those 600 seats become 1,400 seats and people begin to look around and say, this church too big. These, this isn't family anymore. It's just, too, it's just gotten too big. This is not what I remember. So you got one group of folk and they're rejoicing and the other group of folk is saying, yeah, but remember when? Daryl Green and some folks can tell you about remember when. When there were 60 folks and 100 folks. And, I mean, it's an amazing thing. When I came here in 2003, there were 500 folk here. 500. Praise God for five, 500 people. It was wonderful. And, you know, you can just about navigate 500 folk. See a lot of familiar faces. You can kind of bump into each other pretty well. Huntmar Park, the ugliest building on God's planet. Had a ceiling seven feet tall. Just about. It was, it, was, it was bad. It was bad. 250 seats or so, I guess, just about. I mean, everybody like this, but everybody, we're just family. We're just loving this. Like McDonald's. I'm loving it. And then we moved to Dominion High School. Too many seats. Too big. Too big. I don't know what that looks like. But I know God's calling us to cross over into it. That's a given. But the only question for you and I, will we cross over with everybody else? Or will we be like one of the older families and saying, remember when? Hmm. And that fear of change many times, it can be paralyzing if we're not careful. 
Isaiah 43, what does God say? Forget the former. Don't dwell on the past. I'm doing something new. Don't you see? Haggai 2, 9, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former. And that's not just speaking about walls and buildings. Let me tell you, the house that God is building in and through you, the glory of this house is greater than the glory of the former. Listen to me. But for you and I, we got to move from where we are. Every one of us has some place that we're stuck. For all the aforementioned reasons. I don't want to move. I know what this is. I'm comfortable. This isn't so bad. And God's saying, yeah, but it's not what I've ordained for you. I've got so much more. But you've got to take your hands off what you have so that you can receive it. Don't make us cross. Oh, my goodness. I tell you, let's change that quick. God, please let us cross. Let us cross all the way over, all the way into inheritance, the best, not just the suitable. Let us cross all the way over corporately so no, we, we lose no one in this transition. No one... We're better together? Absolutely. But you know what? We're not leaving anybody behind. We're all going together. Amen? Yes, Pastor Robert, come on up here. But as we, as we move over corporately, let me encourage you prophetically. Ask God, what are you wanting me to cross over into as well in this moment? What are you wanting me to leave behind in order to cross all the way over into your best? Pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you indeed are building this house. But God, not just this corporate house known as Grace Covenant Church, but God, you're building houses, Perkins, Greens, Ellis, Critcher. That the glory of the present will be greater than the glory of the former. Lord, let us not hold on. Let us not lag back. God, for lack of a, of a clear, a very clear turn-by-turn roadmap of the next five years, that fear would hold us back because we don't have every, every instruction. But God, we trust you enough as the daddy that you are, that you are always bringing us to something better wide open places greener pastures because that's the daddy that's the shepherd that you are so this evening just raise your hands where you are or we just leave it behind we open our hands We release what we think we have that seems so good to us in the moment. That God, that we can in worship and gratitude, we can receive that which you are imparting, that which you have stored for us for this moment. God, let every promise that you have ordained for this people, these every individual here, let it come to pass in this moment. 
Lord, for some of us, we're, we're so bound by disappointment because it seems like it's taken so long. But God, I pray where, where it says that, Lord, our hearts, many times they become damaged or wounded because it seems like there's been a delay. Lord, touch our hearts. God, where there's where seemingly there's been a delay, it hasn't been a delay. It's simply, God, the manifestation of the perfection of your timing. That anything beyond or be, that, that was premature to this moment would have ruined us. But you know exactly when, not just what. Yes, hope deferred does make the heart sick. But God, this isn't about deferred hope. This is the acknowledgement that your timing is perfect. Seven years to get a building put up. What took you all so long? Wasn't about us. It was God's timing. God had decided December 13th, 2015 would be that moment. That was, that was, your, that was your plan. So God let us line up accordingly. Lord, bless these men and women now that we would go in together in Jesus' name.